Chapter Eleven of the Little Foresters A Story of Field and Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. The Little Foresters A Story of Field and Woods by Clarence Hawkes. Chapter Eleven the good green wood. Whenever I pass along the city street and see its pale children trying to play ball or marbles in some vacant lot where there is hardly room to turn about, I always fall to pitying them and to wishing that every child that comes into the world could spend its first twelve years in the country. Then, no matter what he may do or where he may go in after years, he has these country memories to fall back on when the heart grows sick for the sweet green things and the sound of running water. It matters not if I am on the noisy streets of a great city, and the air is stifling with heat, for I have but to fall a-dreaming, to be a boy once more upon the old farm. Then the rude rumble of the heavy teams is changed to the murmur of summer breezes in leafy treetops, and the shrill cries of newsboys become bird notes, exquisitely tender and joyful. I could shut my eyes in the most barren desert and smell the sweet scent of half-dead leaves dripping from an autumn rain, or it might be the aromatic scent of the pine and the balsam, if fancy willed it. If I had my way, I should not only have all children born in the country, but would have them educated in its ways, and particularly in woodcraft. I would show them where to look for the arbutus and the anemone, and teach them to tell each wild flower or shrub from its neighbor, by both smell and sight. I would show them where the wintergreen and the partridge berry grow, and we would sit together upon some mossy knoll under a fragrant spruce and eat youngsters. Then, as we sat there, munching and enjoying the freshness and beauty of all things about us, we would learn to distinguish the different bird notes. We would learn to tell the sweet, cheery, cheery of the bluebird, and not to mistake it for the cheery-cheery of the robin, which is louder and more abrupt. We would always know robin's plain cheer-up-cheer-up, but his other note is quite like that of the bluebird. The chickadee we would always know by his one sweet little song that never varies, and the phoebe, too, we could not mistake, for his song is ever the same, just two plaintive notes." The woodpecker's short, sharp, snip-snip, or his queer cackle, we would never forget when once we had found him out. Then by degrees we would learn to tell all these little creatures by their song or their note of alarm, which are quite different. Two other birds there are that we never could mistake, the whippoorwill's wild, unearthly note, and the sad call of the cuckoo, denoting rain. He is a much better prophet than men think him, for his note of warning is always followed by storm. The quail is a merry fellow, whistling upon the bar post. 
but he too is given to watching the wind and the weather squirrels all sound very much alike but you can always tell by the chattering and scolding that it is a squirrel and then later on you will learn to tell the sharp bark of the red squirrel from the chirp of the chipmunk who is not so noisy besides knowing the birds by their song or plumage we would know their nesting places and their mode of life not to rob or torment them but that we might become acquainted with these little feathered friends and love them besides the way of the birds we would come to know all the little creatures of the wood and their haunts and manners and customs from knowing the inhabitants of the woods it would be an easy and natural step to know the plants and flowers and all the friendly trees that give us shade fruit and nuts or if need be lay down their lives to keep us warm in the winter time i would also teach my young people to know the points of the compass from the trees who tell all observing folks which is north so they never need get lost in the woods here are some of the plainest ways to tell the points of compass in the forest all plant life including the giant trees love the sun and lean towards them for comfort and warmth he is their father and friend so if you will observe carefully what a woodsman calls the lean of the timber you will see that the majority of the trees in any woods lean to the south then if you will go around to the north side of the tree you will find it covered with moss while there is none on the south side what is the reason for this you may ask moss grows in the shade or where the sun strikes least and that would be on the north side of the trees there is one more easy way of telling the points of compass and many smaller signs which it is harder to read a very old man once told me that the topmost part of the hemlock as a rule points to the northwest besides knowing the forest in a general way we should know it in detail and where its treasures are where the first youngsters are found and where the sweet arbutus first thrusts its fragrant flowers through last year's mold where the delicious strawberry grows along the sunny slopes of the pasture land and the first blueberries ripen then in midsummer we would take our pals and go among the pines at the edge of the woods for blackberries observing at the same time where the chestnuts hang the thickest and the walnuts promise well in yonder thicket is a hemlock whose springy boughs will make the finest kind of bows and this ironwood if cut and peeled and allowed to season will make a fish-pole that would do the heart of a boy good in short the marvels and the pleasures of the woods are so many that i could only mention a few of the most common how well the poet whittier knew these charms of nature and how truly he has depicted the boy's delight in them in his barefoot boy to whose world of wonder and mystery i refer you oh for boyhood's time of june crowding years in one brief moon when all things i heard or saw 
me their master waited for. I was rich in flowers and trees, hummingbirds and honeybees. For my sport the squirrel played, plied the snouted mole his spade. For my taste the blackberry cone, purpled over hedge and stone. Laughed the brook for my delight, through the day and through the night whispering at the garden wall, talked with me from fall to fall, mine the sand-rimmed pickerel pond, mine the walnut slopes beyond, mine unbending orchard trees, apples of Hesperides. Still as my horizon grew, larger grew my riches too, all the world I saw or knew, seemed a complex Chinese toy fashioned for a barefoot boy. End of chapter 11